the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. A sign of the health of any market is the number of new entrants it attracts. Crypto prices may be down, but the technology that gave birth to cryptos is changing the financial world in ways barely conceivable two or three years ago. It's a market that's evolved from highly speculative assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum to more mundane things like international payments and remittances. You can also now earn interest on cryptos. Cryptos are encroaching on every area of finance. You can do trading of options and forex, and that's been available using blockchain technology already for quite some time. One example of this financial revolution is Five West, a little over two years old, and already a major player in the crypto and payment space. It's also involved in crypto arbitrage, which involves buying and selling crypto assets between different exchanges with a view to making a profit. Well, joining us to discuss this is Omar Iqbal, who is co-founder of Five West, and he's talking to us from Cape Town. First of all, welcome, Omar. It's great to have you on for the first time on the Money Web Crypto Podcast. Tell us a little bit about Five West and how it all got started. Hey, Karen, how are you? Um, thank you for having us. It's a real pleasure to be on. We've been wanting to be on MoneyWeb for quite a while, so absolute honor to be on. Five West started about two and a half years ago, and we predominantly just focused more on arbitrage trading. And since then, we've actually developed a few different product offerings that um, I can kind of chat about to you. The biggest one in Africa currently is the treasury management solution that we have for major European and um, American or wherever these large corporates are working in Africa, and there's a real lack of foreign liquidity or there's a lack of US dollars in these markets. And what we've developed is a real treasury management solution for people to hedge out of local currencies and have a US dollar backed stablecoin on their balance sheets, which they can cash out to those local currencies at any given time as soon as the need arises. It's been an absolute success in countries like Nigeria, Kenya, and even South Africa, where people just use it as a hedge against the local currencies. I don't know if you heard about Malawi devaluing their currency for about 25% recently. And that really helped international companies just manage their liquidity and manage their treasury a lot better. We also offer automated hedging software. So in a nutshell, that is... People looking to, let's say, convert Bitcoin to USDT or Bitcoin to ZAR, large chunks of volume, and they want to trade on an exchange. Usually, they just there's a lot of slippage as soon as they try to execute a trade. So what our hedging software does is it kind of gives out a, a particular price to these to these clients and then goes and does it on their behalf. So it's essentially us not doing the, the hedging for them. We just give out software for them to be able to manage their internal books a lot better. So that's another product offering that we have. And then, yeah, as you've spoken, there's a lot of companies doing it in South Africa currently, but it's arbitrage trading strategies. That's just simply, as you explained in your intro, just exploiting the gap between the local FX market and what crypto sells at in South Africa. Currently, the premiums have been lower than what we obviously saw in 2017, 2018, but it's still a very nice investment opportunity, which is risk-free and has a lot of success in South Africa. And I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a very comprehensive structure, which is completely compliant with, with all the regulatory bodies. And it gives you the opportunity to, to be able to earn a nice risk-free investment return each month or each year as, um, using your FIA and your SDA limits. 
We've also got a crypto asset payment gateway. So what we're trying to develop is um, to take on, let's say, merchants or clients wanting to buy products with crypto. So let's just take an example. We go to a large retailer and usually you've got to use either your credit card, massive fees, or you want to use a, a payment gateway um, or instant TFT for, for you to send the funds over to that merchant. Still, it's historically been very high cost to the, to the clients or to the merchants itself. And what we're trying to develop is a crypto asset payment gateway that will be low cost, instantaneous, and you can now, South Africans sitting on crypto, will now be able to spend that to buy goods and services in South Africa. And what we've done is we've also created a reporting tool. So we want to be able to submit everything to the regulatory authorities to show them that people are spending crypto and we don't keep the user IDs, that sits with the merchant itself, but it gives you a good indication of who's spending what in terms of um, spending their crypto to buy, let's say the likes of spending it on, let's say a company like Takelots or any car dealership or something. So that's exactly what we're trying to create is a very low cost way for South Africans to be able to spend the crypto that they're sitting on. Something in the works that we also trying to implement is we're speaking to a lot of different African banks and we want to try to be their fintech arms. We use graphical user interface that plugs into the banking infrastructure. Predominantly, Africa has really poor banking systems across a lot of different African nations. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to just work with them to be able for them to catch up with the fintech side of things to be able to offer it to their clientele, especially in Africa. I think there's a great need for a, a little refresh button on the African banking systems that we have. So we're trying to work with them to see what how we can help them maneuver away from the traditional way of doing stuff to a more fintech, um, fresh way of how people need to be able to view their, let's say, balances or to be able to transact between different currencies on a simple interface that we would then hand out to a specific bank. Yeah, those are pretty much the products that we're currently working on and have developed at Five West. It's been a fun two years and we look forward to what the future holds for us. Let's just drill down on a couple of things there. What I found interesting in what you've been talking about is it's kind of you're offering a crypto-based treasury service in a way. So these companies in Malawi, and I was not aware that Malawi had devalued its currency 25% over the last year. But if you're a company sitting in Malawi and, and you want to protect yourself against this, you presumably using the service that you offer, you can, you can shift into a stable coin like USDT, which is Tether or USDC, which is USD coin. Um, and therefore, you've, you've sort of hedged yourself against this local currency phenomenon that we find in Africa, which where devaluation is just you know, part of life. And, and it, it complicates things tremendously for companies. So the, the, you're a company that's barely two years old, and this really seems to have taken off. Is this kind of the backbone of your business, offering this kind of treasury service? Yeah, it is. So we obviously had this vision in mind is to to help Africans, is to democratize investment access to Africans. So that's a twofold story. So one is on the investment side and the other one is on the treasury management side. While I was working for my, my previous company, we used to come across a lot of European and American companies that are working in Africa and they never have any solutions to be able to manage their treasury, which actually gave me an idea that people are currently 
seriously looking into just a treasury management solution. So to make it clear, it's not remittance. So they're not remitting the funds back to their base country, but they actually want to hold it on their balance sheet and use it as soon as they need to pay salaries, et cetera. But they were always very scared on how they're going to be able to invoice their clients because at the end of the day, let's say they invoice a hundred rand for services that they've been rendering in those countries. And by the time they finish the job, the currency is devalued and now they're only sitting on 75 rand, which is not enough to cover their costs every month. So what these guys do is we have a few investment specialists sitting at Five West and we keep an eye on all the different currencies in Africa just to make sure that we can hedge them out and then pay them out in the local currency straight away using regulated partners in all these countries that we currently offer these services in. So Five West is obviously a South African-based country, but we've got partners um, sitting in other African countries that we then use to be able to convert the funds from the local currencies to USDT or even Forex. So we also got a very strong Forex background. It just depends on the, the currency requirements that they've got and if there is enough dollars available in that country at the given point in time. And if they're not, we hedge them into USDT and then hedge them back into the local currency at the end of the month, let's say. Right. I, I think the real costs uh, you incur when you're doing these kind of transactions is when you off-ramp from a stable coin like USDT to, let's say, a US dollar or to the Naira in Ni Nigeria. Uh, th that can be quite expensive, right? So I think a lot of these companies would be looking to hold on their balance sheet a, a stable coin where the, the costs of moving that around are very low. Am I correct in that? Yeah, very, very low. And mostly people use the Tron network because I think the Ethereum network can get a bit pricey at times. So they're holding it on Tron so that the transaction costs are minimal. They can get in and out uh, with relative ease and it's quick. So let's just take Nigeria, for example. Last month, um, I think the Naira to USDT was trading at about 600, 610. And if you look at it today, it's trading at about 710, 712. So that's a massive devaluation in a month. And I think that's what these companies are trying to avoid is they are trying to build Africa and they are trying to do great work in Africa. But at the end of the day, if the currencies keep devaluing like this, I don't think we're going to get much foreign investment coming into Africa uh, simply because these companies are losing money left, right and center. So I think it's a real good solution to grow the African continent as well as for these companies to be able to hedge themselves out so they're not always burning themselves against these currency devaluations. All right. Talk a little bit about the payment side then, because if you're sitting in Johannesburg and you're running a company which has got branches all over Africa and you need to make payments in the traditional way, that would be quite expensive because you're interacting with all of the, the banking system and the central banks and there's various approvals that have to be done. But if you're doing it on a, a blockchain-based system like you seem to be doing, that again would make it almost instantaneous payment at very low cost, right? Yeah, that is correct. But the problem is the regulations that are in place. So you can't currently send money cross-border. So that's not the model that we currently do. If, let's say, just take South Africa, for example, they are coming up with crypto regulations, and we do welcome that. I think it would be a great addition to the industry. You can do a remittance then at very low cost, but I think approvals would always be needed. Otherwise, you'd just be promoting a lot of money laundering. And I think that's the one thing that when the regulations do come into 
to play is how they're going to be reporting it. So what I would suggest, obviously, in my opinion, would be a, a BOP category for these payments to go up. So you still are going through the correct boards and the correct regulators to be able to make these payments. But yeah, we would obviously have to wait for the regulators to have a clearer stance on it before you can start uh, purely remittance. I think more the fact that what we do is more of a treasury management solution as compared to a remittance solution. I know there are a few digital banks that are coming up with these models currently and people do use it. But yeah, I think that once the regulations are a bit clearer, then Five West would also embark on that journey. And when you say BOP, uh, that's one of the balance of payments, right? That's one of the categories that you have to select when you're making a payment, a cross-border payment. Correct, yeah. Right. This is not regulated at the moment and there are people that are sending payments using blockchain and using stable coins. All over the world, I've heard of companies that will accept RAND stable coins in China, for example, if you wanted to buy clothes. Now, where does that stand? I mean, you say you, you wouldn't do that. You'd have to seek approvals, but there are some companies doing it already. There's definitely some companies doing it, right? So I think it's more the fact that they're just doing it because these companies can't get the approvals from the Reserve Bank in time, or they really just want the ease of doing it and the low transaction costs. But in my opinion, that's why the regulators need to come up with the clearest stance to be able to to just kill the black market, really, because that's essentially what we what we witnessing now currently in South Africa and other African countries is a lot of this stuff is happening, but it needs to be regulated sooner rather than later so that you can differentiate between the good players and the bad players, because currently you shouldn't be doing it. But that doesn't mean that everyone's going to abide by the same rules. Um, so that's why I think regulations are going to be a good way to be able to regulate this market and also to be able to ensure who's sending money where, right? Some of it might be for clothes, but it might be for for other reasons that um, obviously don't want to go into, but we need to be able to kill the black market and to ensure that we are a regulated country, if you take South Africa for an example, and that everyone who is offering the service is reporting this back to the Reserve Bank, to the FIC, any transaction over 25,000, and to the various other regulatory bodies that we have in South Africa. I think everyone needs to kind of come together, work with the crypto asset service providers that are currently sitting in the country, and then come up with the solution and how we're going to stop that. Because in my opinion, I think we should be looking to regulate an industry and stop all this happening so that the Reserve Bank has a better grasp of how money is leaving the country currently. I mean, you, you mentioned the black market. And of course, that, that is one of the great criticisms of cryptos generally is that it currently being unregulated. That, of course, is changing. But even in a regulated environment, the technology itself will facilitate in a way the perpetuation of a black market. Um, how do you see that working out in practice, even if we have regulations? Look, I think the banks would also need to play a huge part in it. So if there is a company, let's say, accepting massive deposit amounts every day, you'd have to just go and say, show us your compliance that you've done on the clients, show us the proof of funds that they've got. And Obviously, report that back to the FIC straight away. If there are transactions that they think the money is being remitted out the country, then just go and investigate, work with the regulatory bodies. I think that would be the best way to do it. Look, people don't really walk around with cash anymore and start transferring 10 million rand in cash every day. So it does happen through the banking system. And I think the banks would have to also up their game in just working with the regulatory bodies, working with the crypto asset service providers in order to ensure that everyone is on the same page and that everything is being reported back to the Reserve Bank in this case. 
So I think, yeah, everyone needs to just work together. All right. You also offer crypto arbitrage. And in the intro, I said that involves, let's take Bitcoin, for example. You, you're buying uh, Bitcoin on an overseas exchange like uh, Kraken or Coinbase. And you're shipping that to South Africa, where there's traditionally you're going to get maybe one and a half, two percent more. Back in 2017, 2018, of course, it was much higher than that. <laughs> but it's still uh, pretty attractive for a lot of people. And if you're tax compliant, you've got 11 million a year that you can cycle through on a crypto arbitrage uh, trading system. So how did you get involved in that? And how's that going? Yeah, I think the crypto arbitrage product has been around in South Africa for, for a number of years now. And like you said, the margins in 2017, 2018 were a lot higher than what they are now. But I still do think it's quite a lucrative investment that people can do, especially if you're tax compliant. So yeah, Five West just tries to to ensure that we can be offering the service to our clients um, just so that they can actually have a good investment product offering at the end of the day. Um, historically, our Returns have been in the range of, I think, 1.5 to 2.5% this year. It's been a really bad few months, I'd say, the last two months. The premiums have been quite low. But um, if you are tax compliant, you rather take the knock on the chin now in, in these months and still trade so that you can still keep applying for your for your pins from SARS so that you can get through the entire 11 million. That's what I usually recommend to clients is that keep going in these months where the premiums are low just so that you can still get through the entire 11 million there's no point in waiting for a three percent month or three percent day and then only getting through let's say three million rand rather get through the entire 11 million so that you have something substantial to show at the end of the year right i think just to explain there when, when you mentioned the pin um so the, the, your foreign exchange allowance is basically there's two components to it there's the special discretionary allowance of one million you need no permissions for that. You can trade that as much, you know, up to a million. After that, you've got to apply for a foreign investment allowance and uh, you get that through the Reserve Bank. But in order to do that, you've got to be tax compliant. And every time you do a trade, there's a pin. Do you assist um, your clients in, in applying for that, uh, that permission? Uh, yes, we do. We work through a tax consultant that does it all on behalf of the, of the client itself. And that service is free at Five West. So we've hired a tax consultant that does it on their behalf. Um, just to that, it's a lot easier for these clients to be able to, to get their pins. Because what we really started witnessing was that a lot of clients actually didn't know how to apply for these pins. And that was actually holding them back from using that 11 million, even though they were tax compliant. So what we do is we either train our clients um, to do it on their own accord, or we go through a tax consultant and it gets done on their behalf. Um, but people really do enjoy that service because essentially people just want you to handle it and you want to, they want you to be the one-stop shop for them. So that's the whole thinking behind helping people apply for their pins. And then once the pin's back, we do inform the clients and they're ready to trade again. And we try to get that round going as soon as the pin is back so that they can apply for the next one in the meanwhile once their, their round is active. Okay, and you also uh, have an OTC desk, an over-the-counter desk, and this is for people who want to buy large quantities of cryptos. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. We do. So you have liquidity providers there. In other words, somebody says, uh, you know, comes in, I want to buy 50 Bitcoin. You, you could do a trade like that, and you could do it in instantly, no slippage. In other words, um, if you were to do that on a normal exchange, that's such a large order that you would get your price is filled at all kinds of different levels and it would not be a very satisfactory trade. 
Yes, correct. So what we do is that's when the automated hedging software of ours comes in, is that we do take these large bulk orders from people and or or, or even uh, corporates looking to just have crypto on their balance sheet. And then we give them a price and then we fill at that rate. We hedge it out. And what we do is a reason for us to be able to offer good arbitrage um, returns to our clients as well is that we do use their stock that they've booked out in the morning um, to be able to sell to to these corporates at the end of the day or high net worth individuals who are looking to purchase crypto. So we kind of combine the OTC desk and the and the arbitrage strategy that we've got and combine that into one and try to run it like that so that they are filling at that desired level and our arbitrage clients are still seeing good returns even in quite a bear market. All right. Talk about the, the crash in crypto prices. Has that had any impact on your business? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I've seen a lot of companies go bust in this bear market. I mean, it hasn't had an impact on our business, really. We've actually grown significantly over the last year, I'd say. And the crypto crash actually just, we, we do welcome it. It's a good correction for the market to have every now and then. No one wants to go just see a market just run up. I think it's a lot of bad players that were involved in the market also then completely get faded out of out of the market and there's a lot of buying opportunities i'd say personally when a correction like this happens so i think it's been really welcome five west has or we don't want people to obviously lose money but i think it always a correction is needed in a market just to keep it a little bit more exciting i'd say <laughs> right uh, just a, a final question on the crypto arbitrage do you hedge your trades um both on the forex side and on the crypto side it's a fully hedged service um with the way the rand moves every day between 20 and 30 cents it would be you'd get really burnt if you're having an unhedged strategy so we hedge the forex out at the same time the stock is sold and we kind of use some of our interest product stock that people hold with us to be able to sell those assets in the market um, in order to be fully hedged i think that's the most important part of the arbitrage strategy all right so basically you can lock in the profit at the as soon as you pull the trigger on the trade correct yeah okay tell us about who, who owns five west um, so it's owned by myself and my partner, Pierre van Hilden, equal shareholders. So we haven't had any investment rounds done as yet. And I don't think we're looking for one in the near future. Well, that's interesting. You, you don't uh, feel a need to do that. And it sounds like you've expanded into, into Africa. But as a fintech business, maybe that's, that's a fairly inexpensive way of expanding internationally. It is a fairly inexpensive way. I think the major cost that we're incurring now, and I wanted to actually mention it a bit earlier, is the fact that we're trying to be regulated in various markets. So we've already started our process in Ireland to get a virtual asset service provider license there. And I think that's quite an expensive process to be going through to be regulated. And our next step is to be regulated in a country like Singapore because we want to expand into the Asian market as well. So with compliance come a lot of costs, but I think it's a relatively inexpensive way compared to traditionally where you'd have to go set up companies in all those places. I have a headcount there of, of plenty of staff. I think we could run it all out of the base in South Africa and have a few key members in those countries running, let's say, compliance, um, trading strategies, et cetera. So yeah, 
why we haven't done a round yet is I think we, we did have a thought about it this year, but with the bear market, the valuations are going to be super low. No one really wants to be investing in, in a company in a, in a completely bear market. Also, the valuation that they'd probably reach for us is not as high as we'd expect it to be as it was in a bull market. You saw everyone throwing money at every single fintech institution. So I think we just hold off on that until the market picks up. There's a lot more people interacting with cryptos, buying it, companies getting their confidence back. So I think it's not the right time, but we obviously open to it in the future. It's always good to have a little investment and a big name behind you, just just for your peace of mind for other consumers that are that are working with the entity as well. And are you interested in retail investors who are just interested in owning a bit of Bitcoin or Ethereum? Yeah, we we do deal with with a lot of retail investors, and that goes back to my point: is that you want to democratize investment access for the retail investors. Um, there are a lot of people who were caught out with a few scams in South Africa. I don't want to go into the details of those, but we try to help people, but ensure that they understand that they're holding, let's say, the Bitcoin itself. They've got a wallet, or if they don't, how can they set up a wallet? Or go to a local exchange, hold a cold wallet, or something. But you kind of need to educate the local South Africans about not just giving your Bitcoin away to to an unknown in return for a very high percentage that you'd earn every month. So I think it's more the education part that we also really focus on with the retail clients to ensure that they are holding their own Bitcoin or if they are giving it away to an interest product, that it is a reliable interest product that we would also consider um, investing in. So that's the kind of work we do with the retail market is more on the education base, um, just that they aware of all the risks and and everything going on with it currently in the market and how many cryptos do you offer um so we can offer anything right um it's all about the major coins really so bitcoin ethereum solana there was a huge hype in doge so we offered that we've taken that off so you you ask us for a crypto we then go and see if we can provide that or not um, but yeah, not the really relatively old coins. We don't really deal in that. So it's just the major tokens that we currently deal with. All right. And you, you mentioned earlier about interest earning products. Um, do, you, do you offer interest bearing products? And have you had any exposure to Terra or, US, uh, or Celsius, these, these collapsed projects? Yeah, so we do offer an interest product. Uh, currently, we offer 10% on USDC, USDT, or TUSD, the three major stable coins that are currently in the market. Um, and yeah, interest backed by the, backed by the US dollar. Correct, yeah, the US, US dollar backed back, one. Yeah. Look, we had no exposure to Terra and we had no exposure to Celsius, um, simply because Terra was an algorithmic-based stable coin. In my opinion, that's not really a stable coin that can be manipulated quite easily. Um, so we never ventured into that. Uh, we lost a lot of clients who actually just said, we're not going to be investing with you because they're going to double the return. So what we said is, yeah, go ahead. Rather, you invest in that. We don't want to be involved in anything algorithmic based because with my philosophy, I just don't think that's a that's a pure stable coin. I think it should be dollar backed. And that's what a stable coin definition is, if you really a textbook definition for it. Um, so we had no exposure. And then we had no exposure to the likes of Celsius as well, because we're not really offering a Bitcoin or an Ethereum interest product. It's more just the US dollar backed interest product. And I think Celsius even had a lower return than what we currently are offering, which is about 10%. And that's just a safe point um, for us and the consumer itself is that we can 
earn 10%. We use it for arbitrage clients to be able to lock their stock out. And then we replenish those dollars when the arbitrage stock lands at the end of the day. And then we convert it back to USDT. And our treasury is always managed with that uh, in mind that we're not investing in a, in a third-party product. We're investing in Five West and Five West clients itself. Right. I, I guess you're losing clients, as you say, people coming to you say, hang on, you know, I can earn 20% a year on, on Terra. Um, you're only offering 10, 10%. Uh, I'm going to go with Terra. And of course, they, they, they lost everything. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a, that was a, a smart move. Okay. You, you mentioned that your team, I want to just find out a little bit about your team. And it seems that you've got some people there with investment banking experience. Something I'm noticing is that uh, people, you know, who come from treasury in the in the in the banks, or have an investment banking background, moving over into the crypto space because they kind of see this as the future. Are you finding that? Yeah, plenty. Um, look, we've got a team of 35 currently, out of which uh, about 10 engineers and the rest have all an investment banking background or have are coming from the banks itself. So we've seen a lot of uptake recently, especially with people working at banks, reaching out, um, wanting to join the team or wanting to be a part of another crypto firm. And if you actually look at it, F&B started their own crypto division and a lot of banks are actually now venturing into this space. So we'll see a lot of traditional focused people or working at banks traditionally are now trying to move over to the more fintech side of things. We've also noticed this in on my recent trip to Kenya that a lot of people are more and more interested in fintech and not just working with the bank itself. And I think that's why the banks are kind of trying to develop crypto divisions to be able to catch up with the times and offer that to their clientele as well. A general question here about the, the, the crypto market. Are people losing faith in cryptos after the crash? Look, I think there's two sides to the story, right? A lot of traditional investors, investors that were only used to investing in equities, bonds, et cetera. Yeah, some of them might have lost faith, but a lot of the younger guys that we've been finding, they've actually just been, as we call it, filling up their bags, which is just buying more crypto because it's a good opportunity to be able to um, fill up on your Bitcoin at, let's say, 390,000 Rand, um, traditionally when it touched about a million. Um, so I think it's it's there's two sides of the story. Traditional investors or risk-averse investors, yeah, they might have lost faith, but a lot of people have been filling up on on crypto just because the price was a lot lower and they never expected it to crash this badly uh, recently and it had a lot to do with the current economic recession that is in place i'd say but i think it's a good way like yesterday with the u.s um, fed decision coming out i saw crypto was absolutely on a on a massive uh, bull run yesterday so i think people are starting to realize that uh, with the economy in recession crypto is where you'd want to be and and it has been very correlated with risk assets in the past. Um, so I think people are now trying to move away from that and just have crypto as a separate asset class. Yeah, it's interesting. You're talking about the decision by the U.S. Federal Reserve to raise interest rates 75 basis points, right? Correct, yeah. Um, and you saw the minute they did that, I think it was 3 p.m. South African time, we were trading at about 389,000 rand, if I'm not mistaken. And it was it was north of 400 in at like seven eight o'clock at night yesterday yes yes it shot up it is interesting and this is something we discussed with uh, darby root last week was the correlation between risk assets like the nasdaq and bitcoin 
And, you know, when, because that correlation is not always there. And, you know, the question I was posing to Dami was, when is this this correlation going to break and we're going to see crypto forging a path of its own? And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, it's it's, it's probably going to start happening very soon. Uh, What's your take on that? I think it's about to happen um, within the next year. I'd say it's it's going to be holding its own. Like gold is, also other soft commodities like corn, soybeans. They're not correlated to real estate or bonds or, or or something specific in that nature. So I think within a year we'd see crypto holding its own, and 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 being a separate asset class. I think it's about time people are starting to realize that, um, especially in when an economy is in recession. I think it'll be a major way for people to wake up and start viewing it as there as a separate asset class so i think it's uh yeah a lot sooner than i initially thought it would be and of course if you go back over time and you look at what's happened to bitcoin over 10 years there's there's hardly been a better hedge against inflation than that yeah um even though the prices are down you know 66 percent or thereabouts yeah, correct. And I think also just the specific use of blockchain itself, right? So it's not just the crypto, the utilities that it brings with. People are starting to realize that. And and I actually, it, it's got real life use. Um, and I think that's what gives crypto um, also that it needs to be a separate asset class is because it's got a lot of good use behind it. Um, so in terms of, let's say, remittance, I think it could be a major way to do remittance in the future once all the the countries come up with a good regulatory framework around it. I think there's a lot of use cases for cryptos to be used. I wouldn't say which cryptos to use, but especially the stable coins, but also Bitcoin and other major Ethereum even. So these these coins do have a good hedge against inflation, like you've said. So I think it should be starting to be recognized as a separate asset class in the near future. Okay. Omar, what themes, in your opinion, should we be looking out for in the coming months in the crypto space? Well, I think firstly, like we've just spoken about, I think it's crypto is going to be rallying, especially in a in a in a recession type market currently. I think with real estate down, with bonds down, stocks are down. Crypto should be rallying and it should be trading on its own. Very much like, like I've said, gold does or other soft commodities like corn, soybeans, they all have their own kind of asset class. And I think all of them are doing really well. So that's what I think we will be seeing in the next few coming months is that crypto becomes a separate asset class, starts rallying and, and yeah, people start getting a lot more faith back in crypto and we see a massive bull run again. I think we should be sitting close to 50 grand. No advice here, but by the end of the year. Okay. Bold prediction. Yeah. And what about Five West? Um, If I talk to you a year from now, how is it going to be different from what it is today? Yeah, currently we're working with a lot of regulatory bodies. Um, so we want to be regulated in Europe. So we already have an application into the VASP team in Ireland, which is a virtual af- asset service provider in Ireland. We also want to start getting regulated into the Asian market. So I'm actually going to Thailand and hopefully Singapore in September um, to try to sit down with the regulators there and see what their requirements are for us to be regulated. So what Farfwest's main vision is to be completely regulated in in different um, economies, different countries, um, so that we can provide a seamless solution to all our clients. Um, Also, we want to really 
um, educate people. So we want to start a whole educational series on people that we're currently working on. So I think there's good things to come in the future. And if uh, obviously we want to be able to offer this treasury management solution to a lot more different corporates around the world, um, because we feel that it's a good way for it to be a hedge. So we're really going to be promoting that and just yeah, be compliant in all these regions so that we can expand into the continent itself. And do you see yourself being South African based in the future or possibly moving to London or Dublin or whatever? Look, our, our head office is always going to be in Cape Town. It's a beautiful city. We we view Table Mountain from one window and the ocean from the other. So I don't think we're going to be changing head offices quite soon. My job is to fly around the world and actually just be compliant and make sure that we're getting business in all parts of the world. So we might have teams in different regions, but I think the head office, according to what we believe now, should be based in South Africa, beautiful city, Cape Town. So yeah, I don't think we'd be changing that anytime soon. Yeah, I, I hear you. Omar Iqbal, co-founder of Five West. We're going to leave it there. What I found interesting is, I think what we got out of this was there's some real, real good use cases for crypto and how this can impact corporate treasury and, and payments. And I think a lot of companies and a lot of CFOs around the country and around the world sort of battling with this, you know, how does this technology actually help us? And I think you've actually shown a way and you've provided some solutions there that no doubt will get a lot of interest from this. So I want to thank you very much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. What an absolute pleasure um, to finally be on your, on your podcast. Hopefully we can chat soon again. Great stuff. Thank you, Omar. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.